It started as a gift for someone's birthday. We have a board member, and her husband wanted to commission a piece from me for her for her birthday. And when I was speaking to him about like what we wanted the piece to center around, they are immigrants here. So he kind of gave me the task. He's like, I want you to, you know, do whatever you want. And I was like, no, 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 I want this to feel specific to her. And so he just talked about, you know, he's really fascinated by um, being an immigrant to New York. That conversation led to the creation of Emerged Nation, a work by choreographer Tiffany Ray Fisher, who is also the artistic director of Elisa Monta Dance in New York City. I'm always really appreciative of a deadline or a commission or something because as artists, when we look back at our legacy, like hopefully there's a legacy through your teachings, through your company, through whatever community and environment you're making. But, you know, the things that that stay and last are pieces of work. And I'm just really thankful for all of the elements that came together that made Emerge Nation Emerge Nation because I do feel now that I've had a little distance from it that it's it's a strong contender for, I think, my signature piece. Today, in this bonus episode of Unsequenced, we learn about the piece that Ray Fisher believes might be her seminal work from Ray Fisher herself. I'm your host, Stephanie Wolf. Emerged Nation debuted at the Flea Theater in Manhattan in November 2019. The evening-length work is divided into three movements. Each movement has its own backstory and message. Ray Fisher was initially interested in tackling the New York immigrant experience. That's a massive topic, one that had Ray Fisher stumped about where to even start. New York is such a melting pot that if I focus on even, like, 200 cultures, I'm leaving out, like, 500. Like, it's, there, it's there's... It's really hard to make it something that is inclusive for everyone. And then I was worrying about appropriation also because I am only what I am. So it's like, ooh, this is this is a tough one. But again, I love a challenge. I was like, let me see. And I sat with it for what felt like forever because I could not find a clean entry point that felt right to me. And so... When I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, let's not even start from a place of new. Let's start from a place of, like, what I know. What she knew was a 2017 work commissioned by New York City's Department of Transportation. I made a piece titled Tilted Arc, which was based off of the sculpture that used to be in 26 Federal Plaza of the same name. A very controversial sculpture that ended up being dismantled and removed. The artwork by Richard Serra was installed in 1981 a 15-ton steel slab that was 12 feet long and the length of about two and a half semi-trucks. The artist reportedly wanted it to alter how people experienced the space as they walked to nearby government buildings. Some criticized this as manipulation. A New York Times art critic even called it a, quote, awkward bullying piece. It was taken down during the night in 1989. And it was meant to kind of show um, the barrier to entry that immigrants go through. And so I was like, well, let's start there. And let me let me start at that place. That opened up the idea of kind of global migration and then also immigration. The way the Tilted Arc was, how it kind of transversed fully square was, was very specific. And so Movement One has five sections in it. And the first section doesn't really work pattern that much. It is kind of this amorphous blob that continually evolving and it's kind of introducing 
each character into this environment. Sections two, three, and four are very spatially like pattern heavy. The relationship that the sculpture had in the square that is fully square, each dancer has that pattern. How to describe this? So it's like if each dancer has a square around them, then their walking pattern is specifically within that square. And I can move that diagonal anyway to make sure that like once everyone is doing their own individual tilted arc square, it works as a whole. It would be like there are nine different Foley squares and each of the dancers has their own pattern that they're putting together. It's not anything that I think I'm expecting the audience to get or really care about. For me, it helped really ingrain this sculpture into the piece in a real way. And I used it as my true north to kind of keep coming back to that so that I, as a choreographer, didn't go on a tangent. Kevin Keller is, is a composer that's worked with the company uh, for many years, and he has this album, Absentia, that I am obsessed with. And I always wanted to do something to that music, but I just wasn't able to find the right thing. And In Absentia is an album that was based on a tragedy that happened in Kevin's life. And so there's pieces that are named like anticipation and struggle and peace. Um, and so there was something about that journey that resonated with me with the kind of immigrant journey too. There's this, you know, this hope at the beginning, there's this anticipation during, there's fear, there's struggle, there's a final reckoning. The second movement, I knew I wanted it to be like high energy. I wanted the audience to want to jump out of their seats and be like on stage with us. So there needed to be a high energy element. There needed to be a communal element. And I always loved like a rave scene because I like the idea of just like feeling music in your chest like that. The second movement is called Emerged Nation, like the title of the full work. She describes it as a mix of Native and Black culture in a contemporary setting. For me, it's just like so close to who we are, like as beings, you know, in the beginning there was music and dance and there's a reason for that. And so, you know, as I was thinking about going back into our shared history, it's like also going back into our cultural roots, that's, that's music and dance. think people think of Native Americans and, and they tend to think historically and I like to remind people that this is a culture that is ever present and that is here and that is still contributing. Having that really clean combination of like kind of like black culture 
and Native culture, I knew I needed someone with a specific type of sensitivity to bring that to the forefront, again, without any type of uh, appropriation. And what 1245 was able to do is that... 1245 is a DJ and frequent collaborator of Ray Fisher's. With 1245, like, she she and I work together on a daily basis. So when I was thinking about, you know, I wanted in the middle it to be my most rhythmic, my most energetic number. I was like, this has to be like a house part. Like, I need a DJ. just really worried about grabbing something that's not mine. You know, I don't want to use it inappropriately. This was meant to to pay respect and homage to, not meant to, um, you know, appropriate. So I really loved that. And so I needed someone who was going to take the time to do that and not sample. Like, it was really important to me that anything that was taken for this middle piece not be sampled. Everything had to be original, original. And even though I'm black and 1245 is black, it was like, even on that end, like, it needs to be original. Like, if I'm commissioning it, we're commissioning it. And then it ended with Kinetic Kinship, which is more of a soundscape of just New York. And that, that composer went all over New York just grabbing sound bites. The composer she's referencing is Kevin Keller again. And I wanted to show the softness of New York because I think lots of times with soundscapes around New York, it's like people fighting and sirens and like things like that. And like if it was really that hostile, you know, people wouldn't be here. You know, all of us that choose to live here, there's something about the city that draws us that we really love. And so I wanted to bring those those softer qualities to the forefront. There's um, sounds when he's in Inwood and there's like just bachata music that's just in the air. That's really lovely. There's someone just walking down the street just whistling. There's little kids playing. So it's, you know, it feels very neighborhoody. That section, that movement was the hardest for numerous reasons. One, because I was in the middle of an injury, so I was creating it with a boot on. I'm a very physical choreographer and I spend time putting stuff in my body. I was not able to do that. So one, I had to be very clear verbally with what I wanted. Even though I had um, imagined a solo for the beginning of it, it is so hard to verbally express a solo, like movement-wise. I decided to scrap that idea and actually go for a duet because at least then we could just, I could talk to them about kind of negative space. Right. And we and then there's only clear choices when you have two bodies that are are interwoven. The choices will start to reveal themselves, you know. So I was like, I knew that I wanted the beginning duet to be not completely interwoven, not like they couldn't leave each other. But I wanted to be very close in proximity and I didn't want it to be phrase work. And so I actually started with a duet with two black male dancers because I liked the kind of synergy of 
two things that are kind of shown aggressively in the media that I find beauty and softness in, and a lot of people do. So I liked that idea of, of not showing the city aggressively and not showing black males aggressively either. So once that duet comes to its final conclusion, there's a female solo that comes, and I, I really wanted something that dancer she's very regal in her movement and so literally i was just backing into like just poses that i could see of her like very clear like dance movements that were like pose 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 and like i'm usually and so from that point then i brought in a quartet of women that were connected at the shoulder and kind of worked as a domino effect to symbolize just the tightness and proximity in which we live in New York City. And I honestly find it amazing. Like anytime I have a smooth commute, I'm amazed and really proud of New York because I'm like, there's no reason for this to work this well because everyone's tired, everyone's hot, everyone's sticky, like everyone, you know, but yet somehow we get to A and B, A to B, like even though you're scrunched like sardines, then that's just the, you know, the like, unwritten agreement we've made with our neighbors in the city. I had to know, what did the board member think of her birthday gift? Ray Fisher says it was a huge sigh of relief relief when she and her husband were singing its praises after the run. It really was a gift to them. They've been huge supporters. And as you talk about just like patrons and all the things that make the arts work, this is something that's going to live in the company's repertory for a very long time. And so um, they become part of company history in a very different way. And you don't know where these pieces are going to go, but it was something that I was very proud of. It was something that all the collaborators are very proud of. That's New York City choreographer Tiffany Ray Fisher, who's also the artistic director of Elisa Monte Dance. She discussed her work, Emerged Nation. It debuted in November of 2019. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Unsequenced. Unsequenced is produced and mixed by me, Stephanie Wolf. I also reported today's episode. Our theme music is composed by Joe Kai, who kindly did a remix for our second season. Shout out to our sponsors, MCM Apparel. And to our Patreon members for supporting all that goes into making this podcast. You can join them too at patreon.com slash DIY dancer. Download episodes of Unsequenced wherever you get your podcast. And as always, thanks for taking the time to listen. <laughs>